right, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Serious Angler Podcast, powered by our friends over at X2 Power Batteries. As, as always, we're back here with the captain, Mr. Andy Full. As always, I'm your host, Bailey Egbert. And folks, thank you for tuning in to episode 400 this past week. If you haven't it listened to it, it was a fun one. It was a lot of fun. We had the we had the crew on. We had Deacon. Now uh, we had our our but our good buddies. Uh, Brennan Chapman from Do It Molds, Alex Rudd, and our boy Paul Roberts from the Bass and Brews podcast to come on and uh, kind of, you know, shoot the bowl on some different topics and fishing, more just kind of talking stories, making fun of each other, uh, as always. And it was a, a lot of fun. So thank you guys for 400 episodes of Serious Angler. And today is 401, where uh, Andy and I are going to chit chat, but also talk about gearing up for fall. So for us here, it is the first week of September. Uh, and as we were saying this, the temps are starting to drop a little bit. We're starting to get, we've had our first fall cold front, not major, but things then it are got hot. To, yeah, got, it got very hot. Steamy. <laughs> it got steamy hot. It was like in the 90s for like three days in a row this week. For whatever reason, it does this every year. And then it completely drops off and it doesn't touch the 80s until literally the next spring. So yeah, once you get through that it's kind of nice because now we're going to have straight 60s all next week maybe a little bit in the 70s for some peaks but uh fall is is on its way my friend i'm looking now next friday night we might get our first 40 degree night of the year i hope so me too I'm I'm, i'm dying to wear a dang hoodie in the morning same there's something about like that boat ride or kayak ride when you get like that fresh fall air, like you know what I mean? Like I don't get much wind in my face. Yeah, that's true. Like only when you're doing three point eight miles per hour with your torpedo, but uh <laughs> or whatever the motor is. Not even yeah. So like when you're ripping down the river and it's like forty eight degrees out, you got a beanie with a palm on the top and gloves on, like I live for the fall bite. It's awesome when you when you know where to look and how to catch them because it can be possibly one of the most challenging bites of the year as well like the fall you have the shot to catch one of the biggest bass of the year but you could also have some of your hardest days on the water so yeah it's it's a time where i think you know all transition periods are tough but i think for whatever reason um really i think it's because of the fisher starting to realize hey it's starting to get cold. And I know for some people in the South, like you're, you're not going to enter this period for another month, maybe a month and a half, uh, which hopefully you guys get it soon because you've been getting crushed with some crazy heat. Uh, but for us, it's about the, the fall or the summer to fall transition is about to happen. If not, we're in it right now. And you guys know, anytime there's transition periods, fish move constantly uh, by the day, by the hour uh, on certain, certain periods of time. But, the summer to fall transition, when it goes from hot to cold, it seems like there's definitely a small period of whether it's a couple of days or what have you, that they completely turn off. Like it is very, very, very hard to even catch a limit. Mm-hmm. Some lakes are even hard to get a get bit. Like it's one of those deals where it's it almost seems like you got to just go back to basics of flip a dock or just hit every obvious piece of cover. That's what these fish are going to start flocking to, you know, when the fall temps hit. But I don't know. Uh, it's one of those deals, uh, and I I can't speak for as well in the Great Lakes, but at least here on some of our inland lakes, that when things change like this, it's always your, your spots that are like your honey holes, right? 
become bad. They're like, why, why aren't they there? What well, it's, it's always been good the whole summer. Uh, but I'm kind of curious your take on it, Andy, how you resort to when you start noticing these, you know, temperatures starting to drop. We've been seeing it recently. Temps are dropping. But when you see on the Great Lakes, like how do you adjust when these fish start to change? Because uh, at least for me and what you and I experienced when we showed you something this past weekend. That was a fall bite. 100%. Look for the bait. You're going to be good. I went back and like I was like thinking about that day. I'm like, you know. That was entirely a fall bite, what we found when the water temp was still 70 plus degrees. And and the reason why I say that is an area that we started on, right, like was basically empty. There were where we went and we we're like, we're going to get bit here. They're either going to be green or brown. And we ended up catching two fish there after fishing it for like 40 minutes, moving all over, trying to figure out what they were doing. And I was like, that was my first thought. I'm like, you know what? Like these fish are going to be doing weird stuff because it's that first cold snap. And the biggest thing, like when I transition from Great Lakes to inland lakes, is I just try to find main lake points with big flats near them and just look. Like, regardless, like shallow, deep. Me, I've always been a shallow fisherman. So I'd always run main lake points and just try to grab whatever's going to bite because big fish always move to main lake points when there's even a little bit of wind because there's current and the bait is drawn there on the great lakes it's completely different they start moving off of your summer stuff and they get into like weird transition periods they'll be on soft breaks they'll be on fast flats and they'll also be on big reefs but they won't be on the reef itself and pertaining to the summer pattern they'll just be kind of off to the side and the biggest thing on the great lakes is just driving idling and using your electronics because once you find them, it's lights out, but you can go hours and hours and hours without a bite fishing the stuff that you thought that they should be on. And the biggest thing I can tell you in the fall is every day is different. So every day you have to refine the fish because they're doing something. It's kind of exciting that way though, in a sense, it can be very, very frustrating, very frustrating. But if you understand what they're doing, like it also can be really fun. Uh, but that's a good point where you got to understand this time of year, you got to be moving a lot. But when you find them, you don't want to move anywhere. Yeah. Like it's because... one of those summer, like summertime, you can go and catch one on a deep rock pile and then catch another one on the grass line and then catch another one punching, flip a dock, throw a top water down, you know, a whole grass field, whatever it is. Like you can do that all in the summer, but you got to know nine out of 10 of those bites are going to completely die when it comes to these transition yeah. times because these fish are going to be more and more as days goes on and temperatures drop grouping up so that they're going to be, you know, summertime was put into perspective and do not take these numbers to heart because they're 100% not true, but I want to put it in perspective for people. So you take a whole lake, hundred percent of the water summertime is probably your, your highest number percentage where those fish are at in the, in the water. So you hear people talk about that, you know, 10% of the fish are in or 90% of the fish are in 10% of the water type of deal. I think summertime is, your highest percentage of amount of water that these fish are living in uh, where they can be in say 20% of the water where it comes fall time is when it might even be like an 8% where it's like, or it becomes even more. Three. Yeah. Because it becomes very minuscule. So being able to set your brain in regards to when you see the fall transition begin, know that you need to move and stay moving until you either figure out a pattern 
uh, or you figure out, you know, you end up on a wad of them where you can basically sit off of them, position your boat, and just begin to wax them because you'll have bites like that, especially come fall. Um, I think that's but, the biggest thing that you can say about the fall pattern bite when you're going by percentage of like, say, you find the fish in a 1% spot on the lake. If you know the lake well enough, and this is where time on the water and experience yep. comes in handy. If you catch a fish, let's say on a main lake point that has rock on the northeast side of it. If you know every main lake point on the lake that has rock on the northeast side of it in 12 foot of water, you could probably run every one of those and catch fish on every three because they set up basically in the fall on the same stuff. If you're running down a bank and you have a drain coming in and you catch one on a drain, you could probably run drains and get bit the rest of the day. Yeah. And it's just knowing where it is. And that's why the seat time is crucial because a lot of times we don't know where everything is. We're every day, me, Bailey and I are on the water. We find something new every time because we're always looking. Yeah. And also like, this is not even really relating to summer to fall transition, but having a tight circle where it's like, sure. Andy and I share waypoints. I'm not sure there's anybody else I really share waypoints with, but it's more out of the sense of, we send a lot of stuff that we find to each other. And we discuss, like we discuss that we go like Bill Nye, the science guy, you know, nerd deep into like why those fish might be there type of deal. It's, uh, so that's one thing that's good, you know, from a discussion standpoint. But, um, yeah, I mean, this time of year, it's it's going to be very bait heavy. I think if you don't have a lake that is very – that you don't have a great population of bait, uh, I think – Crawfish or bluegills. 100%. So what that means is those crawdads and, blue, and bluegills are going to flock to the most obvious cover, whether that's laydowns, that is pieces of concrete in the water that docks whatever it might be those fish are going to flock to that because one thing to remember is these water temperatures drop throughout throughout the transition and into fall that these fish are going to look for the retaining heat so that could be if you have a lake with grass it's going to go find the milfoil go find the hydrilla um, make sure you're finding that the grass that puts out the most oxygen for one because it'll retain more heat uh, but then also look for those those pieces of cover like um, like we just talked about wood or um, like concrete things of that nature things that retain heat better. And this is where dock fishing. You know, I, I suck at fishing docks. Um, this is where we've talked about it with several people. Andy's great at it. This is the time of year where those wooden docks, those docks that don't ever come out, really really pay mm-hmm. off. If you find a stretch and it's like metal dock, metal dock, metal dock. Two wooden docks and metal docks. Chances are those two docks that are wood, you're going to get bit off of. Yeah, and I'll tell you, like, this is an important aspect. Like, I might not fish every dock in the lake, but when I'm looking in the summertime and just idling around in the grass, I will make note of where wood docks are for the fall if I get to that Mm -hmm. lake because they retain heat. Or I'll look for, like, riprap near a wood dock because rock also heats up really well and Usually on wood docks, you have very vibrant algae and grass, and that keeps the bluegill there. So just always be aware of your surroundings and keep note of where you see things because it could pay off in the future. And I think a lot of us are so instant gratification that, 
when it comes to fishing and just life in general, right? Like when it comes to fishing, we're so instant gratification. We forget about everything that we learned a year ago or six weeks ago or yesterday because we're chasing what's happening today. But if you chase what's happening possibly later, it could also benefit you as well. Yeah. It's a time of year, like you said, guys, that's a lot of fun because especially when it comes to, you know, Andy and I are going to go run through some of our favorite gear for this. And when I say gear, I don't mean just baits. We're so we're going to have a combination. Everything. Yeah. Combination of baits, certain accessories, clothing, et cetera, that you might need for it. Uh, just our top three. But this is a time of year that's a lot of fun, especially when you can get I'm like, it's the time of year. I mean, A-Rigs shine all the time of year. Let's, don't don't yeah. get me wrong there, but. Uh, for yeah, whatever reason, finally tied on, and I've already caught fish on it this year, this fall. So I'm like, that bite is gonna be so good in like three days. I can't wait. Yeah, it's uh, it is a, an addicting bite, um, especially just because these fish feed so heavy on shad, um, this time of year. Because leading into essentially what happens, and I know this is. For some, this might be regurgitated info, but for folks that may not know, like, essentially in a, in a fish's mind, not even just bass, well, this is the time of year when all species start feeding up heavier, mm-hmm. is when they start getting these cold fronts, the, the nighttime temperatures drop, water temperatures start to drop more. Um, it's essentially telling them, hey, winter's coming, at least for us northerners. I know you guys in the south, some, some of you <laughs> don't drop too drastically, but... Uh, we all have our winners. We all have these fish that go through these cycles. Uh, and it's basically saying, hey, time to feed up. It's like basically hibernation mode for bears where it's like got to feed up like crazy before the winter months get here and all these bass are doing are sucked to the, the bottom. So you, when you catch them in super, super cold temps that sometimes they got mud on their bellies because literally that's what they're doing is sitting right on bottom. Uh, but it's saying, hey, it's basically Mother Nature giving them the nudge, go feed. So basically anything you put in their face, especially a shad imitation, they're going to eat it. Uh, and they're going to eat it like they hate it. So sometimes like an A-Rig, things of that nature, spinnerbaits this time of year are absolutely so much fun. I mean, one notable t- uh, day that Andy and I had, one of the best, my most favorite days that we've ever fished together was a fall tournament in October. Oh, my gosh. It was perfect guys like when i tell you that the first first cold front you get in the fall is horrid it is the worst time to fish in the entire year because it's so hard because these fish are in shock the second cold front you are going to wax their ever-living butt if you can time it correctly it's going to be good regardless but yeah andy and i in this tournament we were fishing it the that specific cold front came in Right, like literally, as we were driving to the boat ramp, like there's periods where I thought I was gonna have to pull over, it was raining so hard on the way to that tournament. I'm like, raining sleet, and it turned into basically it pouring all day long. And and temperatures, yeah, dude, it started out like it was maybe like high 60s, and the end of the day ended like mid 40s, yeah, uh, temperature wise. So, like, temperatures dropping all day when you see that. I don't care if it's a work day, take off, go fish because it's going to be lights out. And make and, sure you leave your boat uncovered so it doesn't get moldy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't blow your motor that day. <laughs> uh, I didn't blow my motor. I, it was just a uh, dumb miscalculation. It wasn't good. No, it, was, it wasn't anything you did, but no. it was like, uh, regardless, it was Andy and I 
just slinging a rigs for like six hours, catching the living crap out of smallmouth, and we made probably the same cast oh the whole God. time. We might have went to a couple different places and try and maybe caught one or here there, but it was essentially one spot that it was just mayhem. That was before yeah. I had my ghosts too, wasn't it? Like before yes. I could spot lock. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. We're old school in it, having a time. We, yeah, and that's like, and this is another time. I'm coming full circle with this in regards to this was all smallmouth we were catching on a rigs in an inland lake, and it. We talked to a couple people, like our buddy Jeff, and there was like early morning throughout that period of time, so like 11 a.m. No one was catching them. No one was catching largemouth or anything like that here and there. So large mouth for whatever reason during this time have are very very window specific. Yeah. You might as well not fish for large mouth during this time until like literally almost noon <laughs> because they're they're basically asleep. They're like screw the cold. They're like that friend that you have that absolutely refuses to get up past or before nine in the morning. That's me in the winter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm sorry if I personally attacked anybody that falls into that bucket. <laughs> uh, but that's how largemouth are. They just they, they need some sun, they need a little bit of heat. And that was like that was when Andy made this great decision. He's like, hey, one, we gotta get back somehow on the trolling motor, but two, we should go try to switch gears for largemouth. Now it's the afternoon. Uh, and proceeded to call out like half of our bag with giant largemouth up shallow. So know that there's there's windows for these specifically. And it's it is it sounds simple, but it is very hard at time. And it's just more of like Andy talked about earlier, just experience, you know, putting the time to know that one, when you're out that much, you can feel when pressure and stuff changes, and that's what can help you lead to certain decision makings and monitoring pressure drops and you know temperatures and what have you that can play huge um so uh, it's it's a it gets a very complicated time of year but you can pay off in tenfold in yeah it's wild to, like, like when i go out graphing in the spring talking about this like on that same exact lake right like i went out graphing this spring and i was looking for shallow pockets to where possibly if i get back in that same situation where we can maximize our time. And I also wanted to figure out why, because I remember like every spot that I caught those large mouth on. Cause I just remember visually, I went back and I looked at why we caught them where they were. And there was a specific feature near the shallow spots. And I literally went around that edge of the lake and grafted all to find the same exact thing. And I marked every one of them. Mm-hmm. So now I'm like, the same situation comes up, I know how to catch giant largemouth on this lake in the fall. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So, it's, and uh, that's what I meant earlier by like being prepared for the future instead of always looking for instant gratification. Yeah, 100%. And, and with that, know that we are going to be getting some guests on here to talk further about this than just Andy and I bantering, yeah. but we like to give you guys our thoughts. Um, so I think with this, Andy, let's start diving into some of our gear that we like to use, especially when the transition begins, uh, and especially when it comes to gearing up for the fall time. And what we mean by that is stuff that we use now, but also stuff that we're going to use in the fall that if you haven't yet, we recommend you getting because th- there's a reason why we use it and we, we like to support the best and things that we believe in. So um, and with that, Andy, I'll kick this thing off. We've been talking A-Rigs. Throwing A-Rigs uh, was depending on what state you're in, of course, depends on how many hooks you have. And depending on that, 
If you're like us in New York, we have a lot of stupid smallmouth, so we catch a lot of fish on A-rigs. And with that, you bend out a lot of hooks sometimes, oh, especially yeah. when fish get all wrapped up and you get multiple on an A-rig. Break and- arms off. Exactly. So this is a time of year to start shilling out. If you haven't had, got set up with do it molds yet, I highly recommend you do because Andy and I are pouring the living crap out of ball head jigs right now, putting the hooks that we want in them. Uh, Andy, remind me of the gammy. We use a gammy. Uh, what do you know what model number that is off the top of your head? Oh, we use, we use a stronger Gamagatsu head yeah. when it comes to the A-Rigs. With single oh, swimmers, yeah. we like oh. a 5318, but there's a, a gammy head that, or a gammy hook, excuse me. I don't think it's a 604 because that's the lighter wire. Hold on. I've been pouring Ned head, so it's the only hook I have in my head at the moment. No, you're good. Uh, you look for that, but essentially this is time here we pour the living crap out of these. Get as many as you can. That way you can just cycle through and you know you can pick the sizes that you want. Yeah, it doesn't require you going ordering and waiting for these stuff. Uh, but you can go pour them super fast. Right here. And he has his giant box of hooks in there. Uh, and then put the size hooks you want in there because sometimes there's there might be a ball head or a brand that makes a hook that you like, but there's a, there's a, a wrong correspondence into like maybe you want a three out with a quarter, not a, a two out with a quarter where you can, you can change this up and make it what you want. So this is the time where we are chefing a bunch uh, of do it molds ball heads specifically, but there are some pretty good ones. Like I think it's the mullet jig head um, that yeah, the mullet, bit- that's the one I was thinking of. I use a, a mustad, which I don't even have any of those anymore. Cause I went through them all. I got to order more. Um, but yeah, actually, I think it was the 604. Yami 604 is the hook that I use for ball heads because it works the same on Ned rigs. But it's not the great. It works good for a light wire A rig if you throw it on like 15 or 17 pound test. Yeah, we're talking lighter, obviously lighter A rigs here. Like something you built, you put like less than eight ounce, like one sixteenth ounce ball heads. But if you're throwing those bigger ones, obviously you're gonna want to bump that that gauge wire hook. So yeah. And uh, the manic mullet head, it's a mustad 32, seven eighty six hook. Hmm. That's the one you want for the manic. There you mullet. Go. That, there you that go. is my A-rig hook that I like a lot. And if you're, if you're getting set up or you already are set up and you do have questions about hooks and all that, when it comes to pouring these and what we pair up, feel free to slide in the DMS, shoot an email, whichever have you. Even just reach out to the Do It Moles boys. Uh, they'll be happy to help you out as well, get you started, but we'll be happy to help as well. Uh, so if, for anything, not even just Do It Moles, feel free to always reach out to us. Um, but what's your what's your first pick for your gear? Gear well, up for the fall. You need a cranking chatterbait rod because you want to be able to cover water when the conditions allow you to. So that's my first choice. And when I mean a crankbait, you want not a square bill or a flat side. You want power fishing, moving water. You want something that dives like 10 to 15 foot, foot, like a 5XD is a great starter choice. There's some higher end like JDM speed cranking, crankbaits that you can buy. River to Sea makes a good one that was designed by the Tactical Bass and Boys um, in a chatterbait. And you want a crankbait rod that can handle both. So if you're a beginner, you can go out and chuck and wind both things and be successful and kind of swap it out. Or if you're like a diehard and you have 7,000 combos, make sure you have both of them on your deck because yeah. depending on where you're fishing, 
they will eat it. I, I remember correctly, I think in that tournament that we were talking about, I actually dumped a good one on a crankbait first thing in the morning when you're throwing mm-hmm. the A-rig. Then I caught that thing. Yeah, that blue <laughs> Yeah, that was wild. Yeah. Um, that's so a great cool. one because I think it's going to come full circle with some other applications that really fire this time of year that you love to do. Um, for me... I'm going to say my second one here, as temperatures start to drop, they're not completely cold yet, but there's those days that, you know, it's like a high 50s, low 50s day where it's not hot, but it's also not cold yet. So you kind of might be fluctuating. Uh, And with that, there's two pieces of blackfish gear that I highly recommend that I love, especially when it's colder mornings, but it gets a little bit warmer here in the afternoon, Uh, but not warm enough where you want to put on like a t-shirt or anything. Uh, and that is the Blackfish Eclipse lightweight hoodie. It's like a basically a hybrid between a a like a sweatshirt and a UPF hoodie, like a sun hoodie. Uh, it's a nice little mix. Where and then then I I, count, I combine that with the Gale vest from Blackfish. Uh, that yeah, thing is warm. I, I love that freaking vest. Um, that thing is warm beyond belief. Uh, I learned really fast that. You, you don't wear it indoors because it is that warm. Uh, I tried to go yes. on a plane, and I learned really fast when I was sweating in TSA. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> so, like, you know, those mornings, that's like a 48, 49-ish. You put those on. You have the vest on. That keeps you warm, especially if you got that hood on. And then as it gets warmer in the day, like low mid-60s, you can take that off and use that lightweight hoodie. Um, and that's actually the perfect combination, at least for me, this time of year. Yeah, it's a good combo. Me personally, like, if it's decently warm out, I'm good with, like, a hoodie and jeans. And I'm more going to be focusing on, like, that back end of fall, moving into winter. Because I basically, I'm a, I'm a hot box. I'm always warm. But for, you know what I'm talking about? Like, once, like, the end of October hits and November hits, the cold is just different. Mm-hmm. And and that's what I'll pull out like the storm skin gale pullover and bibs because they have that same fleece line lining as the gale vest mm-hmm. and they're yeah. water ten k waterproof they're wind resistant they're weather resistant and I even wear the pullovers while I'm steelhead fishing but this past spring was my first time and first experience using them and it was like a 31, 32 degree, 40 mile an hour wind day. And I was like, I'm still going fishing because I need to get practice before the season goes. So I went out, I drove about an hour and a half down to a lake and I get there and I put these on with just a thin hoodie on. Cause I knew how warm it was from steelhead fishing. And I remember running to the first spot and literally pulling off the jacket. Cause I was sweating while running down the lake in a snowstorm. And I'm mm-hmm. like, this stuff is incredible. I don't know why they pair it together, but I love it. And I am a big old hot box. Like I'm running down the lake and my glasses were fucked up. <laughs> I was so warm. Like it was bad. And now it's like my favorite piece of equipment because there was a couple more times in May where it was like just cold enough not to wear like just jeans. But it was by like noon, it was too hot. But I didn't want to just wear normal bibs because it was kind of chilly. So I throw yeah. those on over top of my light, like airy pants. And uh, yeah, you're comfortable. So that's my favorite gear. And plus the gloves on those snotty, rainy, miserable days. The mm-hmm. gloves are the best. 
Especially when you talk about tournament days, when it's cold smallmouth stuff, you can yeah. put if you have your cuffs right, they won't go up your sleeve. But the gloves themselves, like you can scoop smallmouth completely, put your hand in water, and it's not going to feel cold. I have six pairs of them, the gloves, because I blow through them in steelhead season. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you in the rocks and climbing through crap, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah, climbing um, through netting fish, keeping my hands cold, dipping them in ice cold water. And I'll take like three pairs with me just in case like I drop them. I want to have fresh pair and stay warm mm-hmm. when I'm standing there like this watching people fish. Like, yeah, they're incredible. 100 uh, percent. So the third and last one for me this time or something that people aren't really throwing. And this can this can be applicable year round but for me when things get a little bit tougher uh, and they're chasing bait uh, a bait that just they don't see much is a tailspin and i freaking mm. love a dang tailspin uh, oh, it's, it's such a fun interesting bite. one to fish you can vertical jig it like a blade bait you can yo-yo it cast out yep. yo-yo slow yo-yo. Roll. you can tight line it uh, you can pitch it at fish on live for our forward facing sonar folk. Like, there's times where literally, though, you just be on a school, you see 2D all lit up, or you just caught one on a blade bait. Where I love to pitch a tailspin back in there. And it's just, it's freaking sweet when they eat that thing. Um, I usually, so I use the, that's a duo realis spin. They have a good one. Um, I usually, they have decent stock hooks, but I switch them out with Ichikawa's. Um, and you guys can get this stuff on Omnia Fishing, but the uh, tailspin, the color that I found that's actually really cool. Give it a little nugget here, Andy. Uh, the color's called, it's called Lively IU. And it's all lively because there's a little bit of chartreuse and a natural IU color. And the, it has a dot. And we've talked about this a lot on this show from like putting chartreuse in the nose of a mag draft to uh, putting chartreuse red on the first treble of a jerkbait. They have a dot of chartreuse by the first treble in the tailspin. That comes natural. Really? It is freaking sweet. Let me actually see if I can screenshot, or not screenshot, uh, screen share this here. Exactly what I'm talking about. Um, Because, dude, this is something I do on a lot of stuff now because I think it really makes a difference when it comes to uh, baits that they're not targeting well enough. I mean, dude. Do you see that lively IU? Let me see if I can zoom in even more here. Oh, gosh. That might have been too much. Zoom, zoom, zoom. So right here for folks that are watching on YouTube. Like, see how that has that little chartreuse dot right there? That's freaking sweet. I don't know. For me, that that's I'm all about Money. that. You also saw that the, uh, like the ghost chartreuse they got, too. That's pretty sneaky. For me, it's a tailspin, man. I think it's just, I know there's so many baits that get bit this time of year. A-rig, spy bait, swim bait, blade bait, you know, things of that nature, football jig. But for me, I just think a tailspin doesn't get much as much love. And there might be some Yeah, it's like low-key by like, low-key OGs that still throw up. But like, it's a lost art. I love tailspin fishing. Because when they get it, it's always good, but it's terrifying because it's one treble hook. Yeah. Well, the the dual ones that I use, they're two. Okay. Oh, is it one on the back? A lot, there are a lot of them though that are that are one single hook, but the duos have two. Terrifying. 
It is. But those Ichikawas, I think, definitely make a difference. Absolutely. And those duo, those duo hooks, too, that come stock are actually pretty decent. Yeah, 100%. What about so, you, Andy? What's your last one? A finesse rod on the spinning side. Something that is very versatile that you can do everything with from throwing swim baits to drop shotting, Ned rigging, throwing a tube as a great lakes angler. You need rods that are versatile because in the fall, you never know what they're going to be biting. Um, there's days that I go from dragging, like literally not even dragging scope, like mega live throwing a drop shot at these fish on live and dropping them and getting them. And then, they start swimming away from you, so you have to throw a swim bait at them and draw them back in. And having a rod that's super versatile, like a spinning rod, and you can throw a 16-ounce ball head and keep your minnow up above grass as you're slow rolling it in. We've gotten on a bite like that in the past in the fall. Or drop shotting in 40 foot of water, it's important mm-hmm. to have a really well-versatile spinning rod on your deck. Oh, for sure. I mean, there's just when we talk about earlier on saying covering water, it's also a time of year where, yeah, you might have certain things you want to catch them on, but at the same point in time, you need to have more applications, the better, just to adjust faster, especially when you're on like inland lakes or basically anything but the Great Lakes. Because obviously, the Great Lakes, it's more of a matter of finding them because they're, (laughs) if it's a a Ned rig, a drop shot, or a blade bait this time of year, they're going to eat one of the three. 100%. 100%. Absolutely. Yep. That's so, just one of those deals where it's cover water. But any anything else? And I, again, guys, we're gonna we're gonna get guests on here to really dive into the summer to fall transition as we get a little bit closer to like that October time. We'll do full blown fall show. Um, but anything else we might be missing here for gearing up for what's what's to come? Uh, not really. Like the biggest thing I would say is get ready now for the fall. Because the fall's coming quick, and for those down south who are listening, I'm sure the bait preference is completely different than ours is up here because it's two entirely different fisheries in the fall. But um, go catch them up. Biggest thing I want to see is more people tag us so we can share what they're catching. Yeah, I think that would be really fun on Instagram to have more of the people who tune in start tagging us in their catches and on their stories so that we can share the love. And then um, just go out and catch a bunch of fish and learn something and apply some of the lessons that we can give here. And hopefully it helps you catch more fish because that's ultimately what our goal is. Help everyone catch more fish. Thank you. Yeah, we want to hear stories. Even if you, you know, you, you know, say you don't have yeah. social media either, send us an email about yeah. something you learned, something you picked up, or maybe something you think we're missing. We're, we're all ears on that because we are, as we like to say, forever a student. Uh, so keep that going. And seeing a bunch of people have been buying serious angler hats, uh, and you guys are doing that, you know, rock those. You know, again, like Andy saying, tag us in the photos and stuff like that. We'll share them. But Andy. I think we're going to wrap this up. I know it's a quick show for this Friday, but we have some cool shows coming up for you guys next week. Uh, next Juicy week, I actually show. have state championships. So uh, we're going to try to get a show ready for you guys for next Friday, but next Tuesday Night Live, uh, if we can get our last guest, it's going to be a panel. If we can get the last guest confirmed for that, uh, it's going to be a quite a heavy hitter. 
Uh, and I don't want to give it away right now if it's not 100%. Um, so once it's confirmed, 100%, good to go. Uh, we'll tap you guys into what that show is going to be. Uh, so stay tuned to our social media for that. I'll let you guys know well ahead of time because that's one we love to have as many people uh, tuning in, giving their input as we can. But, um, folks, appreciate you guys as always. Uh, we haven't reminded you guys in a while, but if you're listening to this on MP3, please leave us a rating and review. It helps out big time. If you're watching on YouTube, you're not subscribed, please subscribe. Uh, check out the Lure Lab. Check out our shows here on the network. Uh, there should be a show coming Monday for business from the Bass Boat. But, folks, y'all are amazing. We appreciate each and every one of you. And uh, go catch them up this weekend. Appreciate y'all. See you next week. Well, that was an awesome show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you can and your app allows it, please leave us a rating and review. It really helps us get seen more, which allows us to access more time and more variables to be able to bring to the show to make it better for you guys. So hope you enjoyed it. And if you did and you like some of the things we talked about in this episode and want to check out our show partners, all of that is in every single show description. You can click down there. It's got all of our discount codes, all of our links to our show partners where you guys can go and support the people that support this show and help us make this show happen. And of course, this show does not happen without you guys. You guys know we appreciate you. You're the Sears Sanger fam. You're the reason we're here. Appreciate y'all, and we'll see y'all on the next one.